0: Hello and welcome to episode 224 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It's a pleasure to be with you today. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Tuesday, June 21st, 2022, continuing to take a look at the Sacred Heart book by Father FX LaSance. <clears throat> Excuse me, it was initially published in 1903. And of course, June is the month dedicated to the Sacred Heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to honor, cherish, adore, love, console the Sacred Heart of Jesus in every way imaginable. Because this has become a month of so-called pride Pride, of course, being one of the seven capital sins. And it has been deformed. A month which is supposed to be dedicated to the most pure heart, the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, his sacred heart is intimately, <clears throat> pardon me, bound up with and connected to the immaculate heart of our Lord excuse me, the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady connected to the Sacred Heart of Our Lord and the Most Chaste Heart of St. Joseph. You really think about it in a way, it's three hearts beating as one. And to have this month dedicated to our Lord's Sacred Heart and with the world trying to uh, deform it and denigrate it and celebrate sinful and despicable behavior. We can't have that. We need to take this month back for our Lord Jesus Christ to adore his sacred heart. Toward that end, I would like to share with you louds from the little office of the sacred heart. O God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. Heart of Jesus, inflame with love of us. Inflame our hearts with love for thee. Him. O heart, the Godhead's worthy throne. Thee did the Spirit's power create. In Mary's womb immaculate, the Virgin Mother's Holy One. Praised is through thee the Trinity, thou art the Father's bliss. The Son hath knit thee with himself in one, and rests the Holy Ghost in thee. In thee the wrecked world safety finds, and faithful souls their peace secure. A cloister too, where chaste and pure serenely rest their hearts and minds sweeter art thou than honey stored o sacred heart to thee are dear pure minds to thee pure hearts draw near be thou by every heart adored amen antiphon o sacred heart of jesus thirsting for our salvation recall us faithless wanderers to a right mind that we may not die in our sins my heart is ready o god of my heart to do thy will. My God, I have willed it that thy law be ever in the midst of my heart. Let us pray. O Lord Jesus, who hast deigned to open to the church, thy spouse, the unspeakable delights and riches of thy heart, grant that we thy servants may be worthy to be enriched and refreshed with the heavenly graces springing from the sweetest source who liveth and reigneth world without end. Amen. And now, I would also like to take a look once again at the glories of Mary by St. Alphonsus Liguri. We talk about these three hearts beating as one, the sacred heart of Jesus, the immaculate heart of the Blessed Mother, the most chaste heart of St. Joseph, and... There's no distance between the three of them. They're all on the same page as it were. You think about the Holy Family, and I've mentioned this before, it bears repeating. St. Joseph, although he was a remarkably holy and righteous man, and as St. James tells us, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. In his family on earth, being the foster father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the husband of the Blessed Mother, he's... Outranked in holiness, as it were. We have the the second person of the most holy trinity is his son. The mother of God is his wife, the Immaculata, the Theotokos. But they obeyed him perfectly, of course, because he was the father of the family. Fathers need to take their place back in society and in the family. We need to return to a patriarchal society. I've mentioned the book, The Case for Patriarchy by Timothy Gordon. It's excellent. Please read that book. As well as uh, Ask Your Husband by Mrs. Stephanie Gordon, especially for uh, young wives. We need to get back to a society that values the patriarchy. Feminism is antithetical to Catholicism. It is not compatible with it. Feminism has given us has given us birth control pills, abortion, so called equal rights, but it's just immiserated both men and women. The man is the head of the home. The woman is the heart. Generation after generation of Christians understood this until fairly recently, up until basically the 1960s and 1970s. And then we thought, we're just a lot smarter right, than our parents, or our grandparents, or our great-grandparents. And we're just going to do things the the modern way, the updated way. And we changed everything, didn't we? change things up in the family, change things up in the church and how we worship, change things up in all all seven sacraments, rewritten by Paul VI. Well, as Dr. Phil says, how's that working out for you? Not too good. I don't advise watching Dr. Phil, by the way. I just remembered that was one of his catchphrases. We need to return to tradition traditional roles in the family, masculine men, feminine women, traditional Latin mass or divine liturgy, daily recitation of the rosary. Let's think logically. Let's use our common sense. Let's get back to what worked. Let's get back to what built Catholic civilization over the centuries. Traditional form of worship, traditional forms of piety, and traditional roles within the family. This is section two from the chapter entitled, Our Life, Our Sweetness, and the Glories of Mary. It is entitled, Mary is also our life because she obtains us perseverance. Final perseverance is so great a gift of God that, as it was declared by the Holy Council of Trent, it is quite gratuitous on his part, and we cannot merit it. Yet we are told by St. Augustine that all who seek for it obtain it from God. And according to Father Suarez, they obtain it infallibly, if only they are diligent in asking for it to the end of their lives. For as Bellarmine well remarks, that which is daily required must be asked for every day. Now, if it is true, and I hold it as certain, according to the now generally received opinion, and which I shall prove in the fourth chapter of this work, that all the graces that God dispenses to men pass by the hands of Mary, it will be equally true that it is only through Mary that we can hope for this greatest of all graces, perseverance. And we shall obtain it most certainly if we always seek it with confidence through Mary. This grace she herself promises to all who serve her faithfully during life in the following words of Ecclesiasticus, which are applied to her by the church, On the feast of her Immaculate Conception. They that work by me shall not sin. They that explain me shall have life everlasting. In order that we may be preserved in the life of grace, we require spiritual fortitude to resist the many enemies of our salvation. Now, this fortitude can be obtained only by the means of Mary, and we are assured of it in the book of Proverbs, for the church applies the passage to this most blessed virgin. Strength is mine, by me, king's reign. Meaning by the words, strength is mine, that God has bestowed this precious gift on Mary in order that she may dispense it to her faithful clients. And by the words, by me, king's reign, she signifies that by her means, her servants reign over and command their senses and passions and thus become worthy to reign eternally in heaven. Oh, what strength do the servants of this great lady possess, to overcome all the assaults of hell? Mary is that tower spoken of in the sacred canticles. Thy neck is as the tower of David which is built with bulwarks. A thousand bucklers hang upon it, all the armor of valiant men. She is as a well-defended fortress in defense of her lovers, who in their wars have recourse to her. In her do her clients find all shields and arms to defend themselves against hell. And for the same reason, the Most Blessed Virgin is called a plain tree in the words of Ecclesiasticus. As a plain tree by the waters in the streets was I exalted. Cardinal Hugo explains them and says that the plain tree has leaves like shields to show how Mary defends all who take refuge with her. Blessed Amadeus gives another explanation and says that this Holy Virgin is called a plain tree because as the plain shelters travelers under its branches from the heat of the sun and from the rain, so do men find refuge under the mantle of Mary from the ardor of their passions and from the fury of temptations. Truly are those souls to be pitied who abandon this defense in ceasing their devotion to Mary and no longer recommending themselves to her in the time of danger. If the sun ceased to rise, says St. Bernard, how could the world become other than a chaos of darkness and horror? And applying this question to Mary, he repeats it. Take away the sun, and where will be the day? Take away Mary, and what will be left but the darkest night? When a soul loses devotion to Mary, it is immediately enveloped in darkness, and in that darkness of which the Holy Ghost speaks in the Psalms. Thou hast appointed darkness, and it is night. In it shall all the beasts of the woods go about. When the light of heaven ceases to shine in a soul, all is darkness, and it becomes the haunt of devils and of every sin. St. Anselm says that if anyone is disregarded and condemned by Mary, he is necessarily lost. And therefore, we may with reason exclaim, woe to those who are in opposition with the Son. Woe to those who despise its light. That is to say, all who despise devotion to Mary. St. Francis Borgia always doubted the perseverance of those in whom he did not find particular devotion to the Blessed Virgin. On one occasion, he questioned some novices as to the saints towards whom they had special devotion, and perceiving some who had it not towards Mary, he instantly warned the master of novices, and desired him to keep a more attentive watch over these unfortunate young men, who all, as he had feared, lost their vocations and renounced the religious state. It was then, not without reason, that St. Germanus, called the Most Blessed Virgin, the breath of Christians. For as the body cannot live without breathing, so the soul cannot live without having recourse to and recommending itself to Mary, by whose means we certainly acquire and preserve the life of divine grace within our souls. But I will quote the saint's own words. As breathing is not only a sign, but even a cause of life, so the name of Mary, which is constantly found on the lips of God's servants, both proves that they are truly alive and at the same time causes and preserves their life, and gives them every succor. Blessed Alan was one day assaulted by a violent temptation, and was on the point of yielding, for he had not recommended himself to Mary. When this most blessed virgin appeared to him, and in order that another time he might remember to invoke her aid, she gave him a blow, saying, If thou hadst recommended thyself to me, thou wouldst not have run into such danger." On the other hand, Mary says in the following words of the book of Proverbs, which are applied to her by the church, Blessed is the man that heareth me, and that watcheth daily at my gates, and waiteth at the posts of my doors, as if she would say, Blessed is he that hears my voice and is constantly attentive to apply at the door of my mercy, and seeks light and help from me. For clients who do this, Mary does her part and obtains them the light and strength they require to abandon sin and walk in the paths of virtue. For this reason, Innocent III beautifully calls her the moon at night, the dawn at break of day, and the sun at midday. She is a moon to enlighten those who blindly wander in the night of sin, and makes them see and understand the miserable state of damnation in which they are. She is the dawn. That is the forerunner of the Son to those whom she has already enlightened and makes them abandon sin and return to God, the true Son of justice. Finally, she is a Son to those who are in a state of grace and prevents them from again falling into the precipice of sin. Learned writers apply the following words of Ecclesiasticus to Mary Her bands are a healthful blinding. Why bands? asked St. Lawrence Justinian. Except it to be that she binds her servants and thus prevents them from straying into the paths of vice. And truly this is the reason for which Mary binds her servants. Saint Bonaventure also, in his commentary on the words of Ecclesiasticus, frequently used in the office of Mary, my abode is in the full assembly of saints, says that Mary not only has her abode in the full assembly of saints, but also preserves them from falling, keeps a constant watch over their virtue, that it may not fail and restrains the evil spirits from injuring them. Not only has she her abode in the full assembly of the saints, but she keeps the saints there by preserving their merits that they may not lose them, by restraining the devils from injuring them and by withholding the arm of her son from falling on sinners. In the book of Proverbs, we are told that all Mary's clients are clothed with double garments, for all her domestics are clothed with double garments. Cornelius Elapidae explains what this double clothing is. He says that it consists in her adorning her faithful servants with the virtues of her son, and with her own, and unless clothed they persevere in virtue. And therefore St. Philip Neri, in his exhortations to his penitence, used always to say, My children, if you desire perseverance, be devout to our blessed lady. The Venerable John Birchmans of the Society of Jesus used also to say, Whoever loves Mary will have perseverance. Truly beautiful is the reflection of the abbot Rupert on this subject in his commentary on the parable of the prodigal son. He says that if this dissolute youth had had a mother living, he would never have abandoned the paternal roof, or at least would have returned much sooner than he did, meaning thereby that a son of Mary either never abandons God, or if he has this misfortune, by her help he soon returns. Oh, did all men but love this most benign and loving lady. Had they but recourse to her always, and without delay in their temptations, who would fall? Who would ever be lost? He falls and is lost who has not recourse to Mary. St. Lawrence Justinian applies to Mary the words of Ecclesiasticus. I have walked in the waves of the sea, and makes her say, I walk with my servants in the midst of the tempest, to which they are constantly exposed, to assist and preserve them from falling into sin. Bernadine de Eustace relates that a bird was taught to say Hail Mary. A hawk was on the point of seizing it when the bird cried out Hail Mary. In an instant, the hawk fell dead. God intended to show thereby that even an irrational creature was preserved by calling on Mary. How much more would those who are prompt in calling on her when assaulted by devils be delivered from them? We says St. Thomas of Villanova, need only when tempted by the devil imitate little chickens, which as soon as they perceive the approach of a bird of prey, run under the wings of their mother for protection. This is exactly what we should do whenever we are assaulted by temptation. We should not stay to reason with it, but immediately fly and place ourselves under the mantle of Mary. I will, however, quote the saints' own words addressed to Mary. As chickens, when they see a kite soaring above, Run and find refuge under the wings of the hen, so are we preserved under the shadow of thy wings. And thou, he continues, who art our lady and mother, hast to defend us. For after God, we have no other refuge than thee, who art our only hope and our protectress. Towards thee we all turn our eyes with confidence. Let us then conclude in the words of Saint Bernard O man, whoever thou art, understand that in this world, Thou art tossed about on a stormy and tempestuous sea, rather than walking on solid ground. Remember that if thou wouldest avoid being drowned, thou must never turn thine eyes from the brightness of this star, but keep them fixed on it and call on Mary. In dangers, in straits, in doubts, remember Mary, invoke Mary. Yes, in dangers of sinning, when molested by temptations, when doubtful as to how you should act. Remember that Mary can help you and call upon her, and she will instantly succor you. Let not her name leave thy lips, let it be ever in your heart. Your heart should never lose confidence in her holy name, nor should your lips ever cease to invoke it. Following her, thou wilt certainly not go astray. Oh no, if we follow Mary, we shall never err from the paths of salvation. Imploring her, thou wilt not despair. Each time that we invoke her aid, we shall be inspired with perfect confidence. If she supports thee, thou canst not fall. If she protects thee, thou hast nothing to fear, for thou canst not be lost. With her for thy guide, thou wilt not be weary, for thy salvation will be worked out with ease. If she is propitious, thou wilt gain the port. If Mary undertakes our defense, we are certain of gaining the kingdom of heaven. This do, and thou shalt live. Oremos, en nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Prayer for the Hastening of the Triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary by Bishop Athanasius Schneider. O Immaculate Heart of Mary, Holy Mother of God and our Tender Mother, look upon the distress in which the whole of mankind is living due to the spread of materialism, godlessness, and the persecution of the Catholic faith. In our own day, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds caused within the church by the unpunished spread of heresies, the justification of sins against the sixth commandment, the seeking of the kingdom of earth rather than that of heaven, the horrendous sacrileges against the most holy Eucharist, especially through the practice of communion in the hand and the Protestant shaping of the celebration of the Holy Mass. Amidst these trials appeared the light of the consecration of Russia to thine Immaculate Heart by the Pope in union with the world's bishops. In Fatima, thou didst request the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays of the month. Implore thy divine son to grant a special grace to the Pope that he might approve the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. May Almighty God hasten the time when Russia will convert to Catholic unity. Mankind will be given a time of peace and the church will be granted an authentic renewal in the purity of the Catholic faith, the sacredness of divine worship and the holiness of Christian life. O Mediatrix of all graces, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary and our Sweet Mother, turn thine eyes of mercy towards us and graciously hear this, our trusting prayer. Amen. And now to honor St. Joseph, the act of consecration to St. Joseph by St. Bernardine of Siena. O my beloved St. Joseph, adopt me as thy child. Take charge of my salvation. Watch over me day and night. Preserve me from the occasions of sin. Obtain for me purity of body. Through thy intercession with Jesus, grant me a spirit of sacrifice, humility, self-denial, burning love for Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, and a sweet and tender love for Mary, my mother. Saint Joseph, be with me living, be with me dying, and obtain for me a favorable judgment from Jesus, my merciful Savior. Amen. Virgo potens, ora pernobis, sanctiosef, terra daimonem, ora pernobis, in Patris et Filii et spiritus sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 224 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Please share Our Lady's podcast with everyone you know. Follow us on Twitter, at Fatima Podcast is the handle. And most especially, pray for the eternal salvation of Pope Francis. Goodbye, and God love you.